In the 41st millennium, the colossal machine of the Imperium creaks and moans under the insurmountable burden of its own existence. It is an abyssal labyrinth of faceless bureaucracy and rampant corruption, a cosmos at perpetual war, bound only by the unyielding chains of zealous devotion to the God Emperor, the Imperial Creed. Ten millennia have passed since the Emperor, the beacon of mankind, was rendered nigh unto death by his traitorous son Horus, and entombed within his golden throne. Kept in an eternal twilight between life and death by the cold grasp of arcane technology and the ceaseless sacrifice of nameless psychers, his guiding hand of secular rationalism has been lost to time. In the void left by his silence, the Imperium spirals ever deeper into the fanatical worship of him as mankind's only savior, a fanaticism stoked by the corrupt iron fist of the ecclesiarchy. This institution stands as a twisted symbol of the Imperial Creed, a creed sustained by a choking morass of bureaucracy, ruthless censorship, and insidious propaganda. The Emperor's once cherished dream of rational secularism, the dream of a universe guided by reason and truth, has been brutalized, erased from the collective memory of man, its ashes preserved only within the conclaves of select Adeptus Astartes, the stalwart Legio Custodes, and in precious few clandestine circles of inquisitors. As the monolithic state religion metastasized, it insinuated itself into the lifeblood of governance, now intertwined into all areas of government functioning, emerging as the puppet master of the Imperium. The shadow of its tendrils stretch across a million worlds, its creed echoing in the hearts of billions. Dedicated to the protection of this all-consuming religion are the Adeptus Sororitas, the Sisters of Battle. The most ardent, unwavering warriors of the Imperium, they are a living testament to devotion and piety, their zeal unquenchable, their faith unbroken. From the pulsing nerve centers of sprawling civilization, to the bleak forgotten worlds on the rim of the galaxy, abandoned to the gnawing hunger of chaos, they persist. They are a living embodiment of faith in the Emperor as a god amongst men. Their lives are forged in the crucible of conflict, their purpose, to cleanse the stars of heresy, to endure in the face of abject suffering for the glory of the Emperor. Death is but a doorway, a passage to serve him in the hereafter, as they are transmuted into angels in his divine service. These relentless warriors test the very fabric of secular reason, intertwining the nebulous mysteries of the warp with the divine. The echoes of their fanatical displays, in concert with the psychic energy suffusing the universe, spawn phenomena beyond mortal comprehension. Visions of sisters of battle as winged celestial beings, incarnations of wrath and redemption descending onto the battlefield to shift the tides of combat. These miraculous events, though elusive to rationality, are borne witness by countless soldiers across myriad worlds, too pervasive to be dismissed as mere phantoms of fear. Among these otherworldly occurrences are the emergence of living saints, figures such as Saint Celestine, women reported to have crossed the threshold of death, only to return and lead their sisters into the fires of battle once more. It's said that the unyielding collective belief of these faithful warriors manifests in reality, giving form to miracles. These phenomena remain shrouded in enigma, their truths caught in the crossfire of skepticism and the resurgence of belief. 
Yet none can deny their profound impact, their ability to shake the convictions of even the most stalwart secularist. For in the grim darkness there is only war, faith is a weapon, and belief can shift the very fabric of reality. In the bleak expanses of the Imperium, the Adeptus Sororitas exists as a stark beacon against the ever-present darkness. They are the sisters of battle, feminine avatars of divine wrath born of the Ecclesiarchy, the state church worshipping the god-emperor. The sisters, partitioned into numerous orders, each symbolize a different facet of their sacred mission. To descend onto the enemy in visceral combat, to mend the wounds of the devout, and to guard humanity's wisdom against the gnawing erosion of time and the insidious whispers of heresy. Among these defenders of faith, lesser-known orders of the organization strive in silence, spinning webs of propaganda, gently pulling the strings of the great noble houses, and keeping vigil over hallowed shrines. Together they form the unyielding bulwark of the ecclesiarchy, a sanctified wall against the ceaseless tide of the universe's horrors. In the face of their unquenchable faith in the god-emperor, even the Astartes, the genetically enhanced super-soldiers of the Imperium, might hesitate before crossing a sister of battle. Across war zones, where the common Imperial soldier is confronted with abject horror and nihilism, it is the sisters' devout fervor that reignites the dwindling embers of courage in the common soldier teetering on the precipice of despair. And yet this absolute faith is a double-edged sword. At times it blinds them, and like lambs before the slaughter, they are led unwittingly towards total calamity. A bitter revelation which will be unmasked in this current Tales from the Warp. Their story, etched in the canvas of history, starts in the 32nd millennium, the Emperor, the beacon of reason, is entombed on his golden throne, his radiance reduced to a dim flicker against the passage of a thousand years. Secular rationalism was now a memory fading into the cold void. The worship of him as the God-Emperor, like a firestorm, swept across the galaxy, birthing an array of cults each interpreting their adoration of the God-Emperor in their unique, chaotic ways. While the Adeptus Ministorum grappled for control in the lightless vacuum left by the Emperor's absence, the Ecclesiarchy's power grew, soon bloating into the state religion. As the Church's representatives ascended the echelons of power to become High Lords of Terror, the Imperium was pulled under the crushing wave of theocracy. Worlds metamorphosed into monumental shrine worlds, their skies pierced by towering edifices of worship, as armies were mustered in the name of the ongoing Holy War, exterminated rival cults and smothered chaos in the name of the Emperor. The Ecclesiarchy, swollen with unchecked power, scoffed at the laws of the Imperium. Entire populations held them as a sovereign authority, their divine mandate to rule unquestioned. An attempted power wrestle by the Administratum ignited a cold war, a battlefield of shadows and treachery rife with whispers of rebellion. In this morass of suspicion and deceit, worlds came under the yoke of gluttonous venal leaders, their corrupt actions sowing seeds of distrust in the Ecclesiarchy. An uncertain, sinister future lay ahead. In the 36th millennium, 
The gilded chains binding the Ecclesiarchy to the Administratum were shattered. The once rigid structure of the Imperium buckled as it entered a new age, the Age of Apostasy. This period was defined by the ascension of a monstrous figure, whose shadow cast the galaxy into a terrifying night that appeared to have no end in sight. The 361st High Lord of the Administratum was a man of unmatched intellect and primal savagery. His ascent was bathed in the blood of the innocent, a trail of corruption, blackmail, espionage and murder following in his wake. Vandir was a lord of madness, consumed by a hunger for power that knew no satiety. Despite his erratic self-dialogues that weaved intricate webs of half-truths and grotesque theories, none dared to confront him. His temper was a whirlwind of chaos, entwined tightly with his derangement, promising a swift and brutal end to any who dared to traverse the labyrinth of his sanity. Through an intricate masquerade, Vandir unseated an ineffective leader of the Ecclesiarchy. In doing so, he seized control of the two most formidable organizations within the galaxy. He held a power that hadn't been seen since the time of the Emperor himself, a force of nature that swallowed whole those who challenged it. Vandir spread his toxic influence across planets, fortifying his power with ruthless efficiency. He needed a personal army, loyal to him and him alone. His gaze fell on the distant, untamed world of San Leor, home to the daughters of the Emperor. These fierce warriors, their tales of fanaticism and valor echoing even in the Imperium's furthest reaches, intrigued Vander. They were raw, unsophisticated, a superstitious warrior cult. In their hands, Vandir envisioned the deadliest of weapons, molded from their unwavering faith and provided with the Imperium's cutting-edge armory. Upon his descent on San Lior, Vandir encountered resistance. Unfazed, he offered the daughters something he knew they couldn't resist. A miracle. He stood before them and offered his body to their weapons, claiming that the Emperor would shield him from harm. The outcome was as he predicted. His personal shield deflected their attack, casting a blinding ethereal light across the battlefield. The daughters of the Emperor, ignorant of such advanced technology, saw in this spectacle the divine hand of the Emperor. Vandir was a prophet, chosen by the Emperor himself. Their loyalty was his. With their loyalty secured, Vandir christened the daughters anew. They were to be wedded to the Emperor in every aspect, becoming the brides of the Emperor. Their transformation marked a harrowing time in their history, a period of blood and repentance under Vandir's reign, aptly named the Reign of Blood. With Imperium laid to ruin, burnt in the fires of civil wars and religious crusades, the Adeptus Mechanicum and four chapters of the Astartes dared to challenge him. They besieged Vandir's palace in a clash of titans. The brides in their newly forged power armor, armed with bolter and sword, fought with unyielding fervor. The siege lasted for months, transforming the palace grounds into a grim, bloody tableau. Despite the onslaught, the brides wouldn't relent. When all seemed without hope, the custodian guard intervened. The Emperor's personal guardians, often ensconced within the Golden Palace's protective confines, rarely meddled in the affairs of the Imperium. Their sole duty was to the Emperor himself. Yet the gravity of the situation compelled them to act. 
They extended an offer of an audience with the Emperor to Alicia Dominica, the leader of the Brides, and her five chosen warriors. The opportunity to witness the Divine Emperor was an honor unheard of, its significance impossible even now to put into words, so rare was the offer to bear witness to the God Emperor. The contents of that meeting remained veiled in mystery, but its effects were nothing short of monumental. Dominica emerged with a fire in her eyes, a righteous anger that promised retribution. She had judged Van Dyer a heretic. In their eternal shame, they had been his pawns, but no more. Dominica confronted Van Dyer, her resolve as hardened as the steel she wielded. She denounced his tyranny, sentencing him to death. The palace chamber to which he dwelled echoed with her verdict, you walk in the darkness and cannot be allowed to live. Your sentence is long overdue, and now it is time for you to die. His final words were a testament to his madness, I don't have time to die. But time cared little for the whims of a tyrant. With a swift, grace-filled coup de grace, Dominica ended Van Dier's life and the age of apostasy. Thus, from the ashes of a bloody era, the Sisters of Battle were reborn, and with it the tides of history would be forever altered. The execution of Van Dier was more than a symbolic severance of flesh and bone. It was the brutal disentanglement of church and state. Laws would no longer spring from the cloistered chambers of the ecclesiarchal sanctum, nor would Holy Scripture command the thunderous march of armies. From this day forth, the church was forbidden to raise men-at-arms. Yet from this seeming prohibition emerged an unanticipated loophole, the sisters. They were the brides of fanaticism, the disciples of redemption. More than a simple loophole, they were a necessity born from trials of blood, suffering and devotion. Bound to the unyielding stone and golden relics of the church, their shame seeded self-governance, a burning phoenix rising from the ashes of penitence. The title of the Emperor's Bride slipped away like a discarded veil, replaced by a mantle of renewed purpose. Thus were they reborn, the Adepta Sororitas, the Sisters of Battle. Two great covenants, each a mirror reflecting the other's holy vigor, held the balance of the Church's power. A shared identity forged in sacred duty, yet tempered by the cold edge of suspicion, for each was the other's sentinel against the creeping tendrils of heresy. Their homes, the sacred celestial bodies of Terra and Ophelia VII, shimmered with temples, their radiant spires piercing the heavens in a testament of their divine majesty. The six sisters who had walked in the Emperor's divine presence ascended to sainthood, their legend etching itself into the bedrock of each order's culture, and over the eons, morphing into distinct traditions and unique cultures. But the origins of these sisters would stem from far humbler origins. Amid the casualties of the galaxy's ceaseless wars, a surfeit of orphans swelled like lost stars scattered through the vast night. The offspring of fallen imperial servants mingled with the progeny of esteemed officials, all swept into the austere arms of the nearest scholar progenium. Here, they were shaped by the fervor of preachers and the stern discipline of abbots. A crucible of relentless prayer, grueling study and punishing physical exercise, they were molded into the unbending instruments of the Emperor's will. The progenium corridors were prowled by formidable drill abbots, forsaking their usual preachings to instill devotional terror into the hearts of those destined to command judge and execute in the Emperor's name. 
They wove tales of their own tormented past, their lives skirting the precipice of destruction from brutal trials and harsh penances. Their stories would serve as grim warnings and lessons, fortifying the progena for a future bathed in the stark light of sacrifice. As childhood gave way to adolescence, their fates were sealed by their skills and strengths. The majority found their paths converging towards the monotonous rhythms of scribes, clerks, and administrators. A handful, however, found themselves hurtled towards positions demanding greater sacrifices. The stern commissars of the Imperial Guard, the devout priests of the Ecclesiarchy, and the fearless mariners of the Imperial Navy. Among the female progenar, those who showcased a rare fusion of resilience, devotion, agility, and intelligence were marked for a higher, perilous calling the Adepta Sororitas. They saw not a curse, but an honor in this designation. It was a calling to serve the Emperor in a role steeped in nobility and shrouded in pain. Once identified, they were ushered to one of the two sacred convents, where they faced a litany of grueling trials to ascertain their worthiness. Regardless of the order they were destined to join, they were immersed in the traditions of the Adepta Sororitas. From the battle-hardened Sisters of Battle to the humble clerics, all received a baptism of fire and bolt gun. Each sister, regardless of her role, was a soldier primed for the battlefields, which spanned from dense alien jungles to besieged hospitals on distant worlds. No corner of the galaxy was safe from the spectre of war. Medics, researchers, scribes, all would grasp the heft of a bolt gun, a reflex as familiar as prayer ready to dispense the Emperor's judgment until the arrival of their battle-hardened sisters, the bringers of divine annihilation. In the shadow-clad halls of the Covenant, an age-old rite unfolds. A sister, proven worthy by trials untold, stands on the precipice of joining the Adepta Sororitas. The ceremonial gathering is a tableau of stark contrasts. Some team with grandeur, lasting days and nights in an extravagant spectacle of faith, while others remain a whisper in the sanctum's echoing expanse, hushed conclaves over within the span of a few foreboding hours. Upon this fateful assignment to her order, the sister steps into a vortex of unyielding discipline and indoctrination, and ultimately death, when she takes her rightful place at the Emperor's right hand and becomes an angel of his divine wisdom. A ceaseless tide of initiates swells from the Scola Progenium, Yet only the most luminous amongst these myriad stars are drawn into an order's gravitational embrace, and of these chosen few, a bare handful forge their spirits in the crucible of initiation, emerging as the iconic Battle Sisters. A number are destined for the Order's Hospitaller, maturing into virtuosos of the healing arts and guardians of medical knowledge. They mend the wounds of humanity's defenders, decipher the cryptic anatomies of Xenos' foes, and fathom the intricate death-weaving mechanisms of their arsenals. These sisters, anointed in the blood of the fallen, bring the Emperor's radiance to the Eben heart of war, revered as his earthly angels by the countless souls they save. In the ink-stained shadows, the Order's dialogues labor meticulously, their existence a constant exploration of knowledge. They are the sacred scribes, diligently recording, retrieving, and preserving scripture, data, and wisdom in its myriad forms. Like celestial librarians, they safeguard the Imperium's intellectual legacy, 
educating when wisdom is sought and purging data when it threatens to cast a shadow on the Emperor's divine plan. Others, from the Covert Order's Famulus, weave their influence into the tapestry of the Great Houses. They are the Emperor's unseen hand, diplomats and spies that manipulate the skeins of power and keep the Ecclesiarchy apprised of whispered secrets and brewing storms. Yet above all, stand the Sisters of Battle, the Imperium's sword and shield. Elite warriors, they are a living testament to the Emperor's power, a beacon of faith burning bright amidst the desolation. Their valor imbues even the most forsaken battlefield with a spark of hope, igniting a fervor in the hearts of soldiers staring into the abyss. Clad in hallowed power armor and armed with holy trinity of the Bolter, the Melter and the Flamer, they descend upon the enemy like avenging seraphs, their battle cries hymns to the Emperor. Their faith is unassailable, their courage immortal. They dance on the precipice of death with a wild joy, for each battle is a sermon of suffering, a testament of faith, a chance for miracles, and their laughter, haunting and beautiful, rings out with each enemy felled. In their metallic sinew and bone, the touch of the Adeptus Mechanicus can be discerned. Battle-scarred and honor-bound, some sisters accept the gift of augmented limbs, a mark of their sacred duty. Others refuse, deeming it a sacrilege against their holy commitment to suffering. Whichever the case, among the sisters float cherubs, grotesque parodies of their angelic namesakes, created in the haunted forges of the Adeptus Mechanicus, these cybernetic familiars combine the flesh of human infants with the cold, unyielding steel of machinery. They serve as ethereal servitors of the sisterhood, carrying ammunition and sermons, their voxcasters amplifying sacred hymns, aiding in the reading of scripture. Each sister's path is a tale of faith, sacrifice and valor, echoing through the endless corridors of the Imperium, a testament to their unyielding service in his holy name. However, a stifling decree of penance hangs heavy within the sacred heart of the Adeptus Sororitas, a stark doctrine designed for those who have strayed into the shadowed labyrinth of doubt, those who have faltered beneath the immense weight of their celestial duties, or those whose souls cry out for the purifying flame of suffering to restore their faith. Emerging from this pool of contrition, the Repentia rise, an echo of once-proud sisters now transmuted by remorse. Stripped of their gleaming power armor and blessed weapons, they find themselves clad in dirty rags, clutching the fierce eviscerator. This hulking, two-handed chainsword roars a terrible hymn of penance, seeking redemption in the heart of death itself. Their faith in the Emperor becomes their sole armor, a beacon guiding them through the Stygian abyss of battle. Each heretic scream, Every severed limb of the non-believers inches them closer to the Emperor's divine radiance. Marked as failures, as sinners, they nevertheless command a reverence within the Order. Through their ultimate sacrifice, their faith may yet be reborn from the ashes of their past, should they survive the crucible of war. Even some of the most revered sisters, including the legendary Saint Celestine herself, have whispered tales of service within the Repentia. Stories echoing through the hallowed halls of their sacred cloister, like a ghostly procession. But a harsher, 
More terrible fate awaits those whose sins cast long, dreadful shadows, those whose transgressions whisper of unspeakable heresies. These souls find themselves damned to the purgatory of the penitent engine, a monstrous mechanical leviathan of destruction. These repentant heretics, often fallen clergy or battle sisters whose faith has faltered and stumbled, are hardwired to these dread machinations of war. Exposed and vulnerable, they hurl themselves against the storm of enemy fire, their survival hanging on the inscrutable judgment of the Emperor. Stimulated by powerful pain-enhancing and life-preserving chemicals, they feel every torment, every searing agony dealt upon them as they charge headlong into the fray, seeking redemption through a heroic death. And yet, a darker fate lies in wait for the sisters Repentia, who have committed the ultimate sin, flight from battle. The Mortifier, a nightmarish variant of the penitent engine, becomes their relentless tormentor. Entombed within an Iron Maiden-like sarcophagus, their self-loathing is amplified to unbearable extremes through a series of implants and chemicals coursing through their veins. Blind, suffering terrible anguish and terror, they are deprived of even the smallest cathartic joy of serving the Emperor through slaughter. It is cruelly denied to them as they remain entombed in their death machine until death, their final moments filled with waves of relentless torment. Steeped in unending strife and the crucible of religious war, the Chronicle of the Sisters of Battle is a saga birthed from conflict and turmoil. It's a history that hammers the ordinary into the extraordinary, shaping heroines who ascend to sainthood, their legends echoing through the ages. Fewer still are those spectral figures who dance at the threshold of immortality, seemingly breaking the shackles of death and materializing on the direst of battlefields to reignite the flickering embers of hope and to tilt the scales of war. Among these living saints, there strides a singular sister. She carries with her a destiny poised for a stark collision with a battle-hardened secular inquisitor. A vast chasm of philosophies separates them, yet the very survival of the Imperium hangs in the balance upon their uneasy alliance. Together they must race against time to prevent a plan which will tear the Imperium apart and poised to stoke the fires of the Reign of Blood once more. To be continued. If you enjoyed this tale, then there are two immersive stories that lay await for you, only available on Audible. Follow the affiliate link in the description below to help support Tales from the Warp. Our Martyred Lady is a fast-paced, beautifully crafted audio drama delving into the clashing of the wits of St. Celestine and Inquisitor Grey Fox as they battle not only the forces of chaos, but their own ideology, politics, and the very Ecclesiarch itself as it threatens to plunge the Imperium into another civil war. This audio drama is embedded within the audiobook Faith and Vengeance, which comes with six more Sisters of Battle tales for your listening pleasure. Mark of Faith is a raw, imperfect and unflinching, deeply intimate glance into the brutal and tragic life of the Sisters of Battle. It is a tale of heroism, suffering and unyielding faith that cannot be missed. This audiobook tells of the story of Evangeline, a sister of battle thrust into leadership after an act of divine intervention saves her from certain death, a miracle that will forever mark her both physically and psychologically 
as she assumes the mantle of leadership. Thank you for listening.